Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, and I am here with Steve, as always. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well, and a happy Boxing Day to all you out there that celebrate. Happy Boxing Day. How many fights have you been in today? Uh, exactly 11. That's, you know, the day is still young. That's that's good. That's about one an hour so far. Um, so, yes, happy, happy Boxing Day. Hope everyone who celebrates had a Merry Christmas. And I hope everyone is staying safe. Um, I think that, you know, given given the landscape of sports uh, kind of over the past couple weeks, uh, I think it behooves us to just kind of dig into the unpleasant stuff before we get into the actual basketball at hand. So this past week alone, we had a lot of cancellation cancellations across the Big Ten. Um, we had games uh, featuring Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Rutgers all canceled. Uh, due to various COVID outbreaks within the team, the various teams. And uh, I, I, you know, I think the the realist in me is saying that there are going to be several more. We kind of teams are kind of getting ready for uh, resumption of con- conference season. And so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, we've, we've had cancellations already. Um, it looks like there are going to be more. There have already been games for this week uh, in other conferences canceled. I guess, Steve, like, where do you where do you see this heading uh, specifically the next week, but also kind of in the rest of the of January? Yeah, I mean, so you kind of I think when you're looking at this issue, you kind of have to break it down into the two into like the two key components of kind of how you handle the situation moving forward. If you're looking at like the two ways that I would look at it there, there's like the logistical component of it. So like, okay, there's all these games you can't canceled, you know, how do you rearrange the schedule? And at what point are these cancellations like too much such that like you'll be unable to get them rescheduled? And then there's the obvious like safety component of it too. And so I think you have to kind of, you obviously need to take both of those into consideration when you're making this decision, but you kind of have to look at each independently. In my opinion, the, the cancellations have you know, are obviously newsworthy and they are a big deal, but it's not like 70% of the schedule was canceled this week. You know, it was maybe closer to 15 to 20% of like uh, eligible games that were to be played by big 10 teams this week were canceled. Um, and so, you know, I think it becomes like what threshold of cancellations are you willing to endure um, before you kind of have to do something more extreme, whether it's like pausing the season or shrinking your conference schedule or, or kind of, you know, whatever you think about it, I think. Um, and again, just looking at the logistical component of this, like it is convenient that a lot of these games are non-conference games that really kind of don't matter whether you reschedule them or not. And frankly, I don't think many of them are going to be rescheduled. Um, so, you know, my opinion is that I, I think you still have to kind of forge on um, from a from a business standpoint and from a logistical standpoint if it proceeds at this rate that you're at here. Uh, because the rate that these cancellations are taking place at, you can still kind of move move games around kind of like they did last year and I think make it work. You may not play all 20 games if we start getting cancellations in conference seasons, but you know, you'll be able to make it work like you did last year. Now, I think the, the safety component of this is a little bit harder to kind of form an opinion on because you know there's probably some people out there that are going to say well this like omicron variant isn't as um 
it isn't as intense or it isn't as deadly as like prior variants. So, you know, if you just push through it, you know, you, you might have the short term issue, but you know, once it goes away, you'll kind of be back to where you were a month ago. Um, and if you believe that, you know, I think probably agree that you just kind of continue on. But I think the problem is we don't know whether any of that's true or not. Now, I I think I tend to I tend where where, where I tend to fall kind of personally is I, I think I think you kind of continue to take this day by day and withhold on extreme action um, until you kind of really start to see you know 50 or 70 percent of your games kind of being at risk and i don't think we're really there um yet and you'd have to get to like a, a threshold where you're there before you really consider more extreme action um brett what are your thoughts yeah i think i don't know if if, if i'm in charge i think it just and, and this would this would kind of be an over overarching for basket for the nba and you know just kind of with the numbers we're seeing I think it kind of makes sense to just kind of push everything back two weeks. I think just that's that's just me personally. I, I understand why that's not logistically feasible, but I mean the 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 NCAA will have the they will have the tournament whenever they have they need to have the tournament. I don't think pushing back hurts that much. I think the, like you said, it helps that this week of games specifically is it has not gotten into conference play kind of across across the country. These games are games that you know if anything losses would hurt these bubble teams more than anything. So the removing the opportunity for a, a damaging loss is, you know, not the worst thing in the world for a lot of these teams. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, there's a lot of it. I, I think, and I, I haven't obviously like fully formed a, a plan for what I think should happen, but I think in the interest of, of safety more than anything, getting rid of this week of games wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, if, if teams, obviously if teams can play, sure. Um, and you know, obviously the data that's coming out is on the more positive side, which is, which is good for, for Omicron. Um, and obviously, you know, we are not epidemiologists or immunologists on this program as much as, uh, you know, we like to think of ourselves as connoisseurs of a lot of things. Uh, but, uh, obviously epidemiology is not one of them. So I think that, you know, I also don't really trust the NCAA to do anything in the interest of the player safety. So, uh, and I'll, I'll just add kind of a, a couple of points. So I think the reason why college sports, I think are in a trickier position than some of the pro sports are, is that there's no, uh, coherent NCAA policy or uh, coherent, the wrong word. There's no, um, exhaustive NCAA policy on, how you handle the virus really from like a this is what you need to cancel an x game perspective it's all kind of handled by the conferences um and so i think that that leads to like more that that leads to these decisions kind of being handled on like a one-off basis yeah and and you know that's fine because that's how all of college sports works at like a macro level with any of these issues I think the other thing I'll say, though, is the policies that were put in place for handling this, you know, at the conference level or even at the institutional level were, were put in place for a reason. And so I don't see any like need. And, and frankly, like the NBA, the NFL, they're veering away from those policies and kind of changing them as they go. Really, the whole reason those policies were were put in place were to kind of handle these, you know, seasonal spikes in um 
and, and these unknowns that were like potentially to, you know, hit us um, kind of throughout the season. And so I think to all that we're aware of, at least like the policies are being adhered to um, and the kind of games are being canceled or rescheduled in accordance with those policies. And so if the policy that was put in place was one of like to optimize safety and like logistical, like the logistics of keeping your season intact, I see no reason to veer um, from that policy, unless there's something that's exponentially more unsafe about the world that we know of now um, compared to when the policies were put in place. So I think just to, those are just my additional thoughts. There. Yeah. And I think I, one last thought that I, I had forgotten during my initial, initial part, and then we can, we can move on to the actual basketball. Um, there are some conferences, I think the big East specifically, that is basically uh, making teams forfeit if they can't field the team. And I think the idea behind those, that policy specifically was to, in, in, you know, encourage vaccination as a preventative method, but obviously with the currently, you know, just the changing, uh, how Omicron's changing and how there are, that's not really a, a surefire way to escape catch, getting COVID. I think that needs to change. I don't think, you know, it, it's still, it's very possible to be safe and still get COVID. And I think that forcing teams to forfeit based on that is a mistake. I believe the ACC has this policy too. And so I think that is something that, because a forfeit will really, can really, really hurt. And it doesn't help the team that won anyways. So I think that as long as, you know, we're, we're making sure that these policies continue to make sense then. But I, I think that's somewhere where the NCAA really should kind of stick their, stick their hand in and say, all right, this is, this is enough. We don't need forfeits anymore. Um, but that's just that's just my two cents there. Anyways, so on to and things that that did happen on the court last week. Um, so right after we recorded our last episode, Nebraska had a game against their uh, previous Big 12 foe, uh, Kansas State. Um, I think you know Bruce. Big Ten fans really can't get away from Bruce Weber anymore. But you know Nebraska kind of came out early, played pretty well in the first half, and then things just kind of totally fell apart for them. Uh, the box score reminds me that this game was just incredibly ugly. There were what 36 total turnovers in this game. Neither team shot better than 23% from three. And I, I, I don't know what to really say about this Nebraska. And we talked about them a lot last, last time, but if you're shooting 33% over overall and committing 17 turnovers against a middle of the pack, big 12 team, I don't think you're going very far. Yeah. I, and I don't really know. I still don't really think we know like anything about this Kansas state team, they've kind of lost all the tough games on their schedule um, and haven't really beaten anyone aside that, I guess if you want to count a win at Wichita state as like a win that means you have a pulse, um, we, we can do that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, so it's kind of more of the same with Nebraska Virgin McGowan's kind of continue to, you know, be really the only guys on their team that um, are big contributors. And it, it's, it's, um, it looks disjointed and kind of uncontrolled chaos from like the perspective of how Nebraska plays. Um, I, I really hope they can kind of figure it out a little bit better in conference play, but it, but it looks like more of the same in, in year two of the Hoiberger era compared to last year. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It just kind of disjointed basketball. That's Alonzo Verge is trying to take over games by himself and that's not going to cut it, but also shout out, shout out Illinois, former Illini Mark Smith for still being in college basketball. And, uh, and making an impact on this game. Uh, I did not know he was still in college, playing college basketball. Um, so besides that, 
uh, it was a pretty standard week for teams that were able to actually find their way onto the court. Uh, we had Purdue Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State all playing some of their final tune-up games before conference season resumes. Um, and they all they all rolled. There was nothing really interesting about most of these games. Um, obviously, as we had talked about last week, uh, Michigan State and Oakland is always kind of an interesting in-state game where Oakland's given them some problems over the years. And this is actually a, a pretty solid Oakland team that should should look to compete in the Horizon League. Um, so definitely, definitely an all right win there. And it's like we said, there's just a lot of things coming together for Sparty right now. Um, but I think, and you know, you know, I think another thing is that Minnesota just kind of keeps taking care of business. Um, and it's honestly, you know, again, as we had talked about last week, there's a lot of surprise. There's just still a lot of surprise over there. Um, I, I don't think beating Green Bay by 16 is anything really to write home about, but I mean, for a team like like we've talked about, like Minnesota, where there are just all these transfers and kind of a lack of continuity, it's good to see them still just beating up on on bad teams. So I don't know if you had anything from from any of these any of these games. I mean, in in a similar vein, Indiana kind of keeps keeps taking care of business. Not that like a win over Northern Kentucky is anything to write home about. You know, I I think it's still good. I think to see them developing continuity. Um, they shot. 58% from the field in that game. So, you know, that's, that's really good. I think that's really good from that perspective. So, you know, we see them kind of coming together a little bit. I know we talked about this last time, but we'll see if they can maybe outperform their expectations starting in conference season. We'll get a good glimpse of that probably after week one. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me of these kind of games that took place this week is, is Illinois um, really taking it to Missouri you know, they're, I think, looking, they're, they're starting to round into form and look like the team that we were all hoping they'd be going into the season. And they're still kind of doing all this without Curbelo. So, you know, uh, I know there were some early setbacks for Illinois, but they're, they're seemingly getting to be at the place where they can, you know, throw punches and, and, and roll um, as we move into conference season. Yeah, absolutely, and and they 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 took care of Missouri in the Bragg and Rights game. Um, I mean the score the score will say they won by 25. But they were up by uh, they were up 79 to 42 with seven minutes left in the game, and then kind of opened the bench and let let some of these other guys play and finish out the game. Um, and yeah, the, the at Ken Palm says that their minimum win probability was almost 90. percent So they were in control basically from jump. Um, and it's nice because a game you can have, you can still dominate like that and then only play Kofi 29 minutes, get him some rest, uh, save him kind of some wear and tear. It's always good. And again, as we've talked about with Illinois over these last few non-conference games, the three-point shooting really rounding into form. Uh, they shot 48% from three turnovers, still present an issue. Um, but I, this is a Missouri team that also force, tries to force a lot of turnovers. So I think, you know, 15% isn't it's not the worst game that Illinois had by far on the season. Um, but against a team that goes all out and tries to force out those turnovers, it you really could have been a lot worse. So yes, I, I agree with you. Things are really rounding into form. They're finally getting a lot of contribution from Plummer, Frazier. And, uh, you know, if Grandison can really become consistent from three, that means you can surround Kofi with at least three shooters at all times. And, you know, given that they still play really tough on defense, uh, they're going to, they're going to be a tough out for sure. Um, and that, that kind of wraps up what we had in the last week. And as we look to the week ahead, obviously the big attractions, 
start next Sunday, January 2nd, uh, as conference play resumes. And we'll get to those games in a second. But there are a couple games uh, that we I think we want to highlight. Um, and there there are, uh, as, as teams, you know, finish their prep, assuming these games do happen, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and the, there are two games I kind of want to call out here. The first being Michigan's UCF. Uh, and this this game actually is part of, I believe it's part of a home and home that was that was started last year. Um, and this game will be in Orlando, uh, wherever you see where, where, whatever the name of UCF's arena is. Um, and UCF kind of presents a really interesting, interesting test. They've been, they've been tested already, uh, losing close game, a close game to Oklahoma and also, uh, you know, losing to Auburn, but this is a team, Johnny Dawkins is, is a proven coach and they've got. A lot of length, and these are this is the kind of team that's caused Michigan, the, the kind of team that's caused Michigan problems uh, so far in ga- like games against Seton Hall, games against Arizona. Um, basically, all of their contributors, for the most, or almost all of their contributors, are six four or up, um, and so I think they possess the length to give Michigan problems on the defensive end. But I think Michigan also presents a problem in that UCF isn't as good offensively, and so. I think this will be a really interesting test as Michigan heads into conference play. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think of the non-conference games um, kind of remaining in the early part of the week, this is probably the one you want to tune into if you're a, a Big Ten fan. I think just globally, this is this is probably one Michigan can't afford to lose just from like a, a schedule perspective. Um, it may not hurt them come March, but... I mean, you you really don't want to lose this game, and especially with Michigan having they won't have played. Um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll have been on like a ten to twelve day break, given that they had a game kind of canceled this week. Um, this this will be uh, this this will be kind of a, a tough. It could be like a sleepy game. They're going on a you know they're going on the road. You know, who knows what the environment will be like? I could see it being empty. I could see it being you know full and rowdy. I think the thing that makes this tough, it, so UCF does have length, but I don't know that they have a dominant post presence that can really kind of stick with Dickinson. I mean, they are, as you mentioned, you know, they're, they're balanced. They've got five guys that average over eight points per game. Um, and they've got guards that are versatile and, you know, will I think be able to present some problems for like the inexperience that Michigan has on the wing. Um, well, and, and you know what you're kind of, you're getting with, with Johnny Dawkins, this team's always relevant. I, I don't really think we know, um, you know, how, how good this team is, um, just given, you know, they lost to Oklahoma, they lost to Auburn, um, and, and really like they have a, a win against Miami, um, a win against Temple. Um, I, I don't really know that they really have a, a, a kind of marquee win here. They're supposed to play Florida state. Um, this past weekend, and that game got canceled. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is UCF's last big chance, really, before they go into conference play. Um, I think I think they will be ready. I'd be worried about a sleepy and rush, rusty uh, Michigan team that may be kind of looking ahead to conference season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something also worth noticing or worth noting is that there is a chance where this this if Michigan wins this game, uh, UCF has is with all the injuries that Houston's been suffering is in a pretty prime position to win the American. And so I think that, you know, if Michigan, Michigan comes into this game focused and, and takes care of business, this, this win could end up looking pretty good uh, in terms of, of uh, win quality for uh, Michigan come bubble and potential bubble or seeding time. 
Uh, and the other one I, I kind of wanted to highlight um, is maybe a game that most, you know, relatively casual Big Ten fans wouldn't necessarily have their TVs tuned to on December 30th. Uh, but this Maryland-Brown game, I think, has the potential to be kind of funky. Brown's a team that has not doesn't have any big marquee wins, but they've stuck uh, with some teams. They put up a really interesting. They put up a big fight at at North Carolina. Uh, they took Colorado to the wire. Um, they've played. They've hung tough against a, a pretty good Vermont team, and they're exactly the kind of team where you know Maryland starts looking ahead to that Iowa game and. Brown could really sneak up on them. I don't expect them to lose this game, but it's a lose-a-bowl game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Uh, when I kind of looked at this game, I, I, I kind of had a similar thought. Um, you know, we really don't know how, how good Maryland is, too, right? I mean, they're, they're trending up, I think, and after surviving the, you know, the, the firing of their head coach, you know, they went through like a rough stretch, but a really gutty win that we talked about last time over Florida. And so I, I think they will have momentum going into this game. You know, it, it'll be at home. I think they'll be excited to kind of get back out on the court there. And they have enough veteran presence that I really don't think they're vulnerable um, in this game. But I, th- this Brown team, I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a player kind of in the Ivy league going forward. So again, you know, we talked about Maryland they're going to have work to do to be a bubble team. But like, if they can get this one, I, I don't like it, it could be a helpful win come March. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is also a game that they really can't afford to lose in terms of uh bubble bubbleness seating um, and things like that. So yeah, I think, I think it should be, should be an interesting one. Um, and then two other games just want to highlight for, I think the more casual fans. Um, so Nichols goes into West Lafayette um, on Tuesday and I'm not I'm not saying that, like, there's going to be anything monumental that happens here. But, you know, we knew they gave Wisconsin a little bit of trouble when they played earlier in the year. And I think, you know, watch for Purdue to, I think, come out sleepy, as you know, kind of teams can, can get at this time of year. So uh, make sure to at least give that one a tune in, at least in the first half there. And then that Western Illinois-Iowa game is a little bit interesting to me. We know Western Illinois, you know, we know about as big 10 fans because they beat Nebraska on opening night of the season. Uh, again, I'm not saying that there's a, you know, I, I'm not saying there's upset potential here, especially just given Iowa's firepower on offense, but you know, Western Illinois is 10 and three, you know, and they have like a, a couple of decent wins on there. So um, just watch out for this one if, if you're an Iowa fan. Something something else I would also say is this game is going to be fast as hell. Uh, Iowa plays at the 39th fastest tempo in the country, and Western Illinois plays at the 45th fastest tempo in the country. So uh, I do not – I think there's going to be there, – there are just going to be a lot of points this game. So uh, keep that in mind. should be at least an entertaining first half. And then the conference season, as mentioned, will be restarting next Sunday. Uh, and so we will be coming to you – with reactions from all four games, but I think for, you know, we'll close this out with, with a mini preview of each of them. Uh, and so first we've got Michigan state Northwestern and we talked about Northwestern a bit last episode uh, because we hadn't really talked about them much. Um, but yeah, they, you've got Michigan state coming into Evanston. Um, obviously winter break game. Uh, it, I, you know, you don't, you don't never kind of know what atmosphere you're going to get, which should, probably work in Michigan's Michigan state's favor a bit, but you've got two teams that are playing some pretty good basketball right now. And I think 
you know, obviously this, this exact same thing happened last year where Northwestern got out to a hot start, beat Michigan state at home and then totally fell apart. Um, so do we think they can, they can bring another, get another home win here? I do. Um, I, I, I'm not going to like bet on it, but for all the reasons that you mentioned, I think um, this is a game to be on alert if you're, if you're Michigan state um, and you know, Northwestern. So in, in some ways, like a lot of the media and the fans, I think wrote Northwestern off this year just because of how bad they were last year. And I think, you know, Chris Collins, at least early in the season is proving that these guys have, have something to, you know, they have something to, prove um they want you know he wants to get things back on track there and make them a player to be a tournament you know caliber team every year and i think this is a great way to to get them started i don't know that michigan state i know they're rounding into form well um i don't know that they have the same motivation here and so i'd be worried about them getting blitzed a little bit yeah i think the interesting thing to watch here is uh when north when you know when northwestern on offense looking at how much they value the ball they're they only turn the ball over 12% of the time. That's good for third in the country right now. And if Michigan State can't force turnovers and Michigan and uh, and Northwestern will can, can, can you know work the ball around and get some good looks, there's no reason why they can't win this game. Um, so yeah, I I will definitely have that one on on the second, and uh, that's that's the one I'm looking forward to most that day. Uh, and then right after that one, we jump into Indiana Penn State. Um, Obviously, Indiana has been taking care of business uh, since their loss to Wisconsin. Um, and, I, you know, this games at the Bryce Jordan Center are always weird. Uh, you can always hear, like, the three fans in attendance uh, in the student section because they're always mic'd up for some reason. Adding that to a winter break game and the fact that I don't really think we've seen anything that special out of Penn State. Uh, I don't I don't see a reason why uh, Indiana doesn't roll this roll this game. I'm I'm really interested to watch the matchup in the post here. Yep. Um, be, between between the two big guys, uh, I think if you're an Indiana fan, you know this is this is like that. Okay, like are you for real kind of game? You know, like Penn Penn State, I think will provide a little bit more resistance than say like a Nebraska would. You know, if this were their first game, but I think you know as we know, road wins are valuable in conference play um this is kind of like a all right you know it was great for them to break even you know kind of in their first two conference tests but if you're going to be for real this has to be a take care of business you know no no shenanigans type game for them um great great matchup in the post as we talked about um and you know i look for indiana to assert themselves and, and win this game yeah Absolutely. I think we'll, we'll, this is the game we'll start seeing their supporting cast come, come together more um, as Harris should, should provide a little bit of a challenge for, for Jackson Davis. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, hopefully for Indiana fans, they take care of business and uh, kind of keep rolling. Uh, the third game up is Illinois, Minnesota. Um, you know, we, we were kind of talking about this the, when we, when we were mentioning how, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota schedule really starts picking up. And uh, this is, this is a hell of a first first game back in the con- in conference play for them. Um, you know the the game is in in Minneapolis. Um, I you know the Minnesota usually shows up pretty well uh, even during the winter break games, so it'll be a be a good atmosphere. But I'm struggling to see how they're going to contain Kofi. Yeah, I mean Illinois. You know, well the way the way you contain them is get them in foul trouble early. Yeah, I think um, 
yeah, you know, Illinois is battle tested, right, in terms of these environments so far, you know, and they're trending up. But I mean, I think there's there's just something about this Minnesota team that, you know, they, they kind of they play so loose. They play with a lot of fire um, and, you know, they're gaining confidence. Um, I mean, if Illinois can go in here and 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 assert themselves and win like that would be a OK, like this team, you know, actually, we should consider them like as a nationally relevant player. But I just I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. And I, I think this this one will actually come down to the wire. Yeah, I, I think the, the key for Illinois, as, as you had mentioned, is keeping Kofi on the floor. And you have to you have to make sure the perimeter defense shows up. You can't let you can't let Peyton Willis get into the lane and and kind of work work his magic in near the rim because otherwise your your big guys are going to be in trouble. Um, so I'd, I'd look for yeah I'd look for that and then you know seeing how Minnesota actually defends threes like that they haven't played a lot of teams that are you know are are great shooting from the outside so I'm intrigued to see how their how their perimeter defense looks so I think that's kind of where this game is going to be won and lost and then finally we have Ohio State Nebraska um, you know Ohio State obviously hasn't played in a bit um, so I'm intrigued to see how they were so they have one one game prior to this. Um, but there's, there's no reason they shouldn't just win handily, uh, even, even on the road, but winter, winter break game for a floundering Nebraska team probably means there won't be a lot of, uh, just a, a huge fan presence. And I, Nebraska can't really play defense very well. So I, I have a trouble seeing how they're going to contain Liddell. I've got Ohio state by three to four touchdowns in this one. All right. And that says it all. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week with a full recap of the conference games and a preview of the rest of it. And thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.